Welcome to season four of the Empowering Women podcast, a production of the Empowering Women in Industry organization. Together, we will hear from ambitious and inspiring career women as they share their stories of success in overcoming career challenges. I'm Charlie Matthews, founder of Empowering Women, and I'm proud to introduce our host, Shannon Bumgarner from Fremspire. Welcome, y'all, to the Empowering Women podcast. And of course, happy holidays. I am your host, Shannon Bumgarner, and this is our last episode for season four. And boy, what a journey it has been. I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be part of your lives and to introduce you to 14 amazing leaders this season. I hope they have inspired you to consider a wider array of possibilities to be your beautiful, authentic self, and to pursue each one of your wonderful dreams. And this final episode, well, it's going to be no exception. As we roll through the end of the year, I know this high-powered community is already thinking about 2023, all the goals you want to achieve, and the communities that you want to build. All of those require one important ingredient, people. And I know you've heard all the terms, the great resignation, the big quit, the great reshuffle, and quiet quitting. And I'm sure there's a long list of many more that I have missed. I think it's why all companies, large and small, have a renewed focus on talent attraction, team member retention, and on building nurturing cultures for people to do their very best work, which is why I think today's guest is so timely. Miranda Eiserman is the guru of all things early talent. I know after this episode, you will come to love her as much as I do. During our conversation, we learn more about her career story and what led her into the world of early talent. Discuss what are the hallmarks of a strong early talent program. And we'll hear her thoughts on the disruptors and changes coming for early talent. So... Grab your hot cocoa, marshmallows, and peppermint, cozy under your favorite blanket near the fire, and enjoy our entertaining and informative episode. Your talent strategy and the careers of your family and friends, they'll be glad you did. I will see you on the other side. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Women podcast. Believe it or not, this is the last episode of season number four. It is so hard to believe. Uh, when we release this episode in December, we will all be well into the holiday season. So I say bring on the tinsel and the tangle. Let's deck our halls and sing some carols, even if, at least in my case, they're a little off key. Uh, with this final episode, we're going to end the season with an absolute bang. We're going to talk about something that I know is on all leaders' minds today, which is talent, specifically early talent. Uh, today's guest, Miranda Eiserman, she is an early talent program manager and is our expert in residence today. And I'm so excited for you to hear from her today. And she's actually a friend of mine. So that makes the end of this year even better. So welcome, Miranda, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So 
as most of my guests will tell you, one of the best parts about being a podcast host is I get to hear the wonderful stories of others. So that's why I love starting the podcast by learning more about your story. So tell, tell our audience about some of the pivotal moments in your story, either professionally or personally. Sure. Um, so I moved to lacrosse in 2003 and I thought I was just going to move, um, to get away from my small town and just try something new for a year and move back. Um, and when I moved, I ended up working at a car wash um, company to start as an office manager. And I was doing, you know, everything from their bookkeeping and, um, all of those things. Um, but my parents were not happy because I did not have insurance benefits. So I was continuing to look for other roles. And I got the position um, at HVAC manufacturer in just an entry level role that I did not think I was going to get because I actually went through the interview within like 35 minutes um, and they did the behavior interviewing questions. And I come to find out I actually answered in the form that they wanted me to answer. So I worked in a, a tax role. I worked in a marketing role, and then I um, grew into a training and development role and absolutely loved training and development and coaching and developing people. Um, then the organization I worked for went through a little bit of a reorg, um, and we ended up with two training and development departments. Right. And so I was out of job. And at that point, no. I was like, okay, control what you can control, right? So I immediately went home and just started applying for roles and networking with folks um, and got a position at a hospital in an entry level data administrative role. But what I did is start networking. And I feel like the key is networking with different people. Right. Yeah. And so I started networking with different folks and I did training and development there. I also did employee engagement items there. I had a safety director approach me and wanted me to do safety after I had worked there about a year and a half. And I was like, safety is not my thing, but he's like, you're really good with people and you're really good at building relationships. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. So I stepped into that role. Um, I did it for about a year and a half, actually, as I was continuing on for my master's of education and professional development, because I was finding training development roles were requiring that. And so I did it for about a year and a half. It was a good experience, but I don't get excited about hazmat suits and (laughs) things like that. Well, hey, you got to try something. And you said, yeah, that's probably not for me, but I definitely learned a lot. Exactly. Exactly. So then I stepped into a label manufacturing company doing training and development and was a one-man show doing all training development all the way from their factory floor to their safety training to their employee and leadership development training. And at that point, you know, I was not the expert in all of those areas and they had said that the team would grow. But what I found out is I needed other experts. So I partnered with our local community college and got them set up with a manufacturing grant. So we had experts coming in to do that. Right. But at the same time, I always wanted to get back to the HBAC company because I didn't leave on my own terms. Right. And so I was always looking for my way back and stepped outside my comfort zone again and moved into a service team leader role. And again, the reason I feel like I got that role is because of my networks and connections. Um, but the piece I always felt I was thought I was missing was that direct management experience. I always kind of had dotted lines and worked with the different managers, but never had that direct management experience of hiring and developing my team. Right. So did that role for five years. And I said that my goal would be, I joked with my manager. I said, my goal would be to completely 
flip that team and have them promoted into different roles of the company um, within my time working there. And that would feel like success. And that's exactly what I did. So the person that started with me as a level one analyst is now the service team leader and other folks and everyone else is in different levels of the organization or had chose to move on to different, you know, avenues. So that was really cool. Um, My goal was to get back into the talent and org space because that's what I loved. And so I kept applying and looking at different positions, but before COVID everything, you know, they wanted at certain locations and I wasn't looking to move. So again, had a person approach me and stepped outside my comfort zone in a packaging role on the quality team. And again, because of networks and connections and people that had worked with me, I decided you know, this is an opportunity that I shouldn't pass up because I don't, I don't, not every day people are coming to me, you know, for positions that they feel like I'd be good at. In typical female, I went through the job description and said, I only have half the skills. <laughs> and they were like, no, it's okay. If you're interested, go through the interview process. So I did. And I got that role. But ultimately I had said, I got the role. And ultimately I said that I didn't want it to hold me back from um, an intern program manager position or early talent, you know, position. And right. so they were very, I w- I'm not usually that transparent, especially when you're just starting a new role. Um, but I right. decided I needed to be for myself. So I only worked in that role eight months. And then this role that I'm currently in opened up and now I've been in this role for a year. Oh, wow. Has it really been a year? Oh yeah. my goodness. It doesn't seem like it's been a year. Yeah. I think what I love about your story, Miranda, is there was a lot of I just stepped out of my comfort zone, like like sound bites in there. And I think that's so hard for many of us. And I don't think I've done it quite as many times as you have, but I have people give me the hairy eyeball sometimes like, how did you end up in that again? <laughs> I'm yes. like, well, I was uh, approached or I was looking for something different and then here I am. So here we yeah. go. We're going to give this a shot. So I love that about your story. Um, I also love that you knew what you wanted to come home to, so to say you were willing to take that journey, but you knew in your heart, like what you wanted to come home to and what really lit you up every day and what your purpose and your passion is. So I love that. But then the safety thing, I also think you have those aha moments. People are like, why, why do you want diversity in your career? And I'm interested in what you say about this as our conversation goes, because I have some early talent on my current team and it's something that I'm learning myself how to be a better leader. And I am always constantly encouraging them to diversify. And my, my comment to them is you're going to learn what you love and you're going to learn some things that maybe you don't like so much. And I'd say both of those are just as important. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree. Yeah. So where you and I actually met probably the most is that you are extremely involved in women in manufacturing, not only for the broader organization that's uh, external to our employer, but within uh, the HVAC employer as as a very critical leader on the steering committee. So I just was curious what drew you to that organization and how do you think it benefits leaders? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in the service team leader role, um, again, I was starting to network with different folks and trying to diversify just my networking and connections within the organization. And so I was approached to be part of that steering committee and I really knew nothing about WIMP, but I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to meet other people within other parts of the organization. And so I had just replied and said, yes, I'm interested um, because in small town lacrosse, I don't usually have, you know, some of those opportunities within our organization. And so 
um, jumped in and didn't really know what I was getting into. And so um, I'm one of those people that just kind of probably says yes more than I should. And I'm learning to kind of balance that. Um, so just jumped in and then started, we had some people move within the steering committee team. So decided to kind of take that leadership role and to really help promote it within our organization. And I think we've, we've actually went from when I started in this WIM role in 2021, we went from like a hundred some members and now we're at 450 members in our organization. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's been really great. How do you think that people are seeing that benefit? Because obviously somebody's seeing a value prop there. If we've gained 300 plus members in a couple of years. Yeah, I think it's it's just the development opportunities, right? But it's also making time for development. I think that's part of the problem that we all have is we don't make time for it and actually block that time to completely focus on it. And the one thing that I've learned and we're trying to advertise more is, you know, even if you register, you'll get the recording. And so then if you did get sidetracked, you can listen to it later, but just the development opportunities and be able to continuing to network with other folks within other manufacturing organizations is also key. Yeah. I think for me, it's been the connection aspect. I love the development piece too, but what I found is to your point about the connection between just the steering committee, people that you never probably would have crossed paths with. And then when, obviously, if you're able to go to conferences or um, where you have broader exposure outside of, of the organization, just the people that you connect with, and you might have that special connection with someone that becomes a good friend or a good mentor to you more than just that one interaction. So I, for me, that's been the big win on women in manufacturing. So I will put a link to women in manufacturing shamelessly in the show notes. And if you are a woman in manufacturing, you need to join this organization. Uh, you will get a lot from it. Trust me. I think I am just completely impressed by the diversity of roles that you've held. I thought there wasn't anybody crazier than me, but I think we found somebody's a little bit crazier than me. Why do you think this diversity has been uh, important to you? And how do you think it shaped your view of career journeys and progression? For me, it's been about kind of that skill building. So it's getting extra pieces on your resume and realizing that you need to kind of diversify. And like you mentioned earlier, is it's, it's finding the things that you really like about the role. One thing about being working for such a large organization is your roles can get very specialized in what you're doing. And I think that there's so many things that you don't even realize that a company has to offer. For example, even when I've gone to career fairs and someone says, oh, I'm majoring in communications. I just don't know if you have something like that at your company. I'm like, yes, we do. Like communications is everywhere. So for me, it's just about gaining those um, bullet points on the resume, those additional skills. And then it makes me understand the business better as well and builds on those connections. So I feel like there's a piece of that journey that helps me become a better person to where I'm at today. That is so true. I remember when I was solicited for the role I was in or would I be interested? And I tell this story because it's really funny. I literally taught, I said this to her later, or the leader, I said, were you like out of your mind when you picked up your phone that Friday afternoon? I'm just curious because I think what we often miss is how the skills that we've learned translate into something that doesn't appear like that it would. So for example, in this, in this context, um, it was the people leadership skills and the strategic thinking skills. It wasn't necessarily the product skills, even though I've learned quite a lot about that in the last year, that's not what she was looking for. So I think it's to your point, being willing to accumulate those skills and then being open to how they can be applied. 
outside of what may not seem obvious, like your communications example. Yeah, yeah I love that. And I feel like there's definitely things you can learn, right? We can always learn more about our products and we can learn more about manufacturing, but sometimes it's the strategic thinking and the ability to communicate and connect with people that isn't as easy for people. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to transition to talk about early talent. I promised that on the outset and I'm going to, I'm going to quote an article uh, really quick. So I'm going to look down at my notes. I know everybody knows that we're in a war for talent, no matter what industry you're in or what company you're in. And a lot of us are still struggling to find talent in a shifting economic environment. And there was an October 4th article from CNBC that said, and I quote, early career talent can be the answer, according to recruiters and staffing agencies. These workers, they're typically recent graduates, maybe a few years into their career, are workers new to an industry. They can really be a rich source of talent but companies need to appeal to these young or new workers to recruit them. And so I know as we've talked, you're a very passionate advocate in this area. So I wanted to capitalize and spend a little bit of our time here. So my first question is, what what really called you in early talent development and why do you think it's so important? Yeah, so one thing that I love, and I do this for friends and family as well, is just helping people find what they truly want to do and what they love to do. And so really figuring out what about your current role do you really enjoy? And then what do you not enjoy? And how do we capitalize on, you know, finding those, you know, more things that you enjoy versus the things that you don't enjoy? Because not every role has every aspect that we love doing, right? And so really with early talent, the thing that I love is just being able to show them the culture, the company, and let them try something. And then I love the ones that are even only a freshman and a sophomore, because then they have other summers to also try something else. So we've had, you know, an intern in one role and then flip to a different role, similar in nature, right? Both in an engineering realm, but they'll flip to a different role just so they can continue to learn more so they can figure out what they truly like and where they want to be. And I think that's the thing that I love most. It's like a journey of just figuring out what you want to do and where you want to be. Yeah, I love that. And have, so did they have like an aha moment in that first role that said, hey, I want to try the second role? Do you know what really drove them to say, hmm, maybe I want to do something different in summer too? Yeah, the biggest thing was, is our focus on energy. And so we started mm-hmm. kind of changing some of our energy tracks and moving to more of our decarb and our energy focus. And so they were very interested, like it just kind of drew some attention to them. Um, And a lot of early talent have focused on sustainability. They really want to change the world and make an impact. And so just finding out the different things that you can do and realizing you don't have to stay on one track. And obviously my background proves that you do not have to stay on one track. You're a great example. (laughs) (laughs) You probably should start those programs or, you know, intros or onboarding with here's my resume. (laughs) I do. I, they, I give them my career journey. Oh, do you really? <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, Miranda, how does that go? Like, do they, they sort of look at you like, well, that's interesting. They do. Um, and the one thing that I described kind of, as I did in my intro is, is I share the reason for my, you know, reason for my shifts of like gaining this experience or wanting something a little bit different or having somebody approach you, because I feel like even as a female, sometimes we just need a little confidence boost and someone else to push us to say, you can do this. Like you'd be really good at this. And for me, that's sometimes what I need, because sometimes I feel like we fear that uncomfortable zone, right? We fear that 
zone and we just need someone to kind of give us that little bit of confidence booster. So I feel like as early talent, those are keys, like things that we can draw out of them and things that we see in our conversations with them. Yeah. I love that. You're very, you're very right. Cause I remember, I mean, I know you're well familiar with imposter syndrome and I think it really shows up when you make a career shift of any kind, it really, it really shows up. And I remember week one, when I started this role that I'm in, I thought, man, can I please go back to procurement? (laughs) (laughs) They haven't backfilled my role yet. I think I'm going back. And yeah. you sort of need to beat those people in your corner saying, no, you've got this. Just give it a little time. It's going to be okay. Exactly. Yeah. And just knowing that I'm not the expert and being okay with that. Like I'm not the expert on all of the information, but I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to give it a different lens and I'm going to ask all the why questions. Yeah. So obviously you're an early talent program leader. So what elements do you think are critical for an early talent development program when we're struggling for talent? Um, I think the biggest thing um, is for early talent to realize that you're going to play a part of the puzzle. You're going to play a part of that department and you're going to make a difference in that department, whatever project that you're working on, that you're going to play that critical role. And then I think the biggest thing is, is for early talent to kind of being able to focus on diving in headfirst and like asking the questions. Um, this actually just came up this week, but um, a lot of interns are asking for more structure. They're used to a syllabus and a deadline and all of those things. But reality of working at any company is you realize deadlines shift and vendors, things move, and we never know all the answers and we have to go seek and find those connections. And so as much as, yeah, it would be great to have structure, like that's not reality of what early talent will jump into for a full-time role. So you also want to kind of help them figure that out that you have to be able to seek and ask the questions and listen Mm -hmm. and do a little research to figure that out versus saying all your notes are here. I'm laughing because my first job out of college was a process engineer and it was in a paper mill. And if you're not familiar with those, they're huge. Most of them are absolutely monstrosities. And I, um, an only child, I uh, went to a decent sized high school, but let's just say I wasn't a big city girl. And they're like, okay, I show up on day one. They're like, there's your office. There's a guy you can talk to and you're going to support this area. And it's that way. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, this year, To your point, you go from your exams due this day. You got a project due this day. Then your semester's here, but you know, all that stuff's laid out for you. And to your point, work's not like that. And so, and looking back, you're absolutely right though. You sort of need somebody to guide you a little bit. And I think, you know, with that experience, that's probably what that early talent program, if you want to call it that, it was missing just a little bit of guidance and coaching and mentorship to sort of get to your point, get over that threshold. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we need our leaders to make sure that they are saying, you know, here are your contacts. Here are some of the people we want you to connect with, to have conversations about X and learn about these things. And then as program manager, right, I'm offering, you know, different development opportunities. I'm having them meet with um, our DNI folks to learn about culture, um, to learn about lean, um, and to learn about the different aspects of our organization. And so they're learning all of those things. Also, we have an open Teams channel, right? Anytime you have questions about anything, shoot it off and I'll help direct you and connect you, whether it's questions about your paycheck or... (laughs) 
you know, who you need to talk to about X, you know, I'll help connect those dots because that's not easy either, right? We have a very large organization. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what do you see as the future of early talent programs? Um, do you think, you see any disruptions coming? Like, what do you think is coming in the future? I think the biggest thing is figuring out that whole hybrid work environment. Majority of our students do want in-person, but they also want to come into an in-person, busy office environment. And a lot of companies, you know, like our own are still trying to figure out what that looks like. And some offices are not as busy. Um, The other thing is, is trying to figure out how we build more of those in-person connections, because we do do a lot over video, over Teams, but also trying to build in those in-person connections. And our interns did a really good job about connecting with other interns that were on site. And I think that that is key um, for continued success and something I'm actually going to work on improving of even just kind of having an intern leader to help promote some of those, like on Fridays, we're going to grab lunch on Friday afternoons, we're going to do this. But I can't be everywhere, right? I'm in lacrosse yep. and I can't be everywhere. And I also can't make lacrosse amazing just because I'm in lacrosse because I'm managing it for the whole US and Canada. So I need to make sure that we're inclusive for all or right. all our spots as well. It's funny that you say that. So I had the opportunity recently to attend the Paradigm for Parity conference. I will also put that link in the show notes if there's an organization out there who doesn't know what that is. But there was a, a lady, I forget her name at the moment. But she came in and she was talking about some of the talent and work talent statistics. And one of the slides, and of course, I had to get my camera out for that one. But she talked about was how do you solve the hybrid work environment problem? And she was talking about how to create that connectivity when you're actually in the office uh, versus everybody coming in and do what you and I are doing, which is staring at, you know, each other on a a 2D screen. Because she, you know, there were four and hopefully I can get most of them right. There was connection collaboration, creativity, and culture, they were all C's. And i and it's really hit home for me because like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I have younger talent. I, I don't think we're doing that right yet. Um, when they come in, we're not trying to create that environment where they are actually connecting versus just sitting at their desk. Yeah, and, um, and that's the piece that we need to just make sure it's happening, right? Is making sure it's consistent making sure that they're being able to have that connection or at least a peer or a mentor or a project person or other people, you know, in the office and then build time in that day that they're in the office to actually have that versus like a day full of, you know, teams meetings or zoom meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to end. Um, there's no better person in my mind to get career advice from than Miranda. <laughs> so I'm going to end with one final question, which is if you could give one piece of career advice to someone who's earlier in their career, what would that be? Embrace the journey and take all the skill sets that you can from each of the roles and each of the positions that you have. And I would also encourage you to volunteer to be a part of employee resource groups or be in part of a community board or a part of any volunteer efforts, because I think that that just builds your connections and builds your connection with the organization and the culture um, it's one thing that I wish I probably would have started earlier, whereas now I'm very involved. Yeah, you are very involved. <laughs> I see a lot come out. So Miranda, if you do not know, is very, very uh, involved in LinkedIn as well. So she's very much on that platform. Uh, but share with us, Miranda, where folks can find you. Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn is the best place to find me. So LinkedIn.com, Miranda Iserman is where you can find me. 
Awesome. And please find her. I know you're having talent problems. I highly encourage her. If you have your own podcast, bring her on as a guest, bring her into uh, your company, maybe to give a little uh, lunch and learn. So Miranda, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time and for ending uh, my second season as host and our season four of the Empowering Women podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. It has been fun. All right, everybody, 2022 is ending and 2023 is almost here. I will see you next season. Thank you. What a fun episode. A joyous way to end the year. I just love Miranda's willingness to try different things. I think so many times we fall into a specific career path And that's where we stay. Even if you're currently doing something you love, I always think it is so beneficial to try out new and diverse experiences. It could be a new role, a project outside your comfort zone, or a trade organization you never thought about being a part of. For me, this is where my own transformation has happened. Those spaces I never imagined I would be brave enough to dip my toe into, including this podcast. Those, they've become the elixir I needed to find my truest self. Normally, I quote women leaders on this podcast, but I ran across this quote from Tom Preston, and honestly, it was just too good not to share. He says, and I quote, a career path is rarely a path at all. A more interesting life is usually a more crooked winding path of missteps, luck, and vigorous work. It is almost a clumsy balance between the things you try to make happen and the things that happen to you. Honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love the use of the word clumsy. To some, it may seem maybe a little bit harsh, but I think it embodies the element of diverse risk necessary for all of us, personally or professionally. Trying those new career paths or skills, well, it typically is really clumsy at first. That's the point when you don't yet know what you're doing. The key word in that sentence is yet. You don't know what you're doing yet, but you will and trust that you will. The Empowering Women in Industry community is a safe place where you can begin that testing or spreading your wings. The support of this community, well, it will wrap you in love and belonging as you try these new things. We will celebrate with you when things go well and give you a hug when maybe you didn't turn out quite the way you wanted. We are here for you. Come step out of your comfort zone with us. If you are new to our Empowering Women in Industry community, welcome, welcome. You can find links to the Empowering Women website in the show notes. In the events section, you can also register for our monthly meetups. These are informal events to interact with this fabulous community. We are also starting up a second phase of our book club. We will be reading the book from Karen Laos, which is entitled Trust Your Own Voice, Growing Your Influence Through Confident Communication. Come join us for more learning and fun. And finally, on your favorite podcast platform, please like us and provide a positive review. This will allow more listeners to find their way toward our supportive community.
To close this episode, I want to simply say thank you. This community, you've given me the strength to be my authentic self and the courage to try that crooked path I never thought possible for myself. In my audience, I know that many of you likely celebrate different traditions and holidays during this season and probably throughout the year. However, if I may, I would love to share this inspirational quote with you. It is my true wish for each and every one of you. Agnes Parho says, and I quote, what is Christmas? It is a tenderness for the past, courage for the present, and hope for the future. It is a fervent wish that every cup may overflow with blessings, rich and eternal, and every path may lead to peace. I am truly wishing you peace and joy of the season. May it be filled with friends and family and much, much laughter. I will see you in 2023, where I hope it will be your very best year yet. Until then, continue to ignite your fire within.